coming down in three. Now I lost my f- review. Fucking hell, this is gonna be rough. There's just so many, I can't find it anymore. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. See what we did there? I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Yeah, you notice how our network is named after our show? Hmm. That hmm. wasn't an accident. I'm just saying. Hmm. Take that, Michelle. Without <laughs> the Gold Diggers Network. Michelle is not going to hear this because she is actually probably by now in Las Vegas. So Mimosa Michelle is in full effect right now. She probably has one in each hand. I I don't think it's Mimosa Michelle if she's in Vegas. It's something stronger than Mimosa. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, we're here. Anyway, like, subscribe to the YouTube page at Stats on Fire. And also please uh, rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you do and you leave a review, we will read it on the show. This one comes from PBFPBB. I didn't make the username. Say that five times fast. I can't, so we're moving right along. (laughs) Five stars, top quality podcast feed. I didn't know how enjoyable the Niners could be until I I came across Rob and company. Can't wait for the instant reaction show. And I do admit that one's from January, but we've had a bunch here, and I'm trying to read as many as we can on the air. Uh, so thank you. We appreciate all the reviews, good or bad. Yeah, I miss the instant reactions. They're nice because you get so much uh, fan interaction. Like they they were actually popular, so there are people there commenting. Especially once I got uh, the ability to see all the comments, I didn't have to wait for you to post one up. I post the good ones. Don't worry. Well, I know, but now I have the ability to record on my own, and thus I see every comment that comes across when we go live. Yeah, you don't know all the mean ones about you that I didn't put on the screen, so you're welcome. Yeah, because people are definitely more mean to me than you. (laughs) We've got a lot to get to on the show. I know a lot of people are out there complaining, oh, it's the offseason, there's nothing to talk about. With this team, there's always something to talk about, Levin. Case in point, like five minutes before we were going to start the show, I sent you a tweet that I came across, and I thought it was... Kind of interesting, gave me pause for a second, and it just made me think, like, we're, what, four days past the Super Bowl now, and we are in peak off-season mode already. Um, The tweet was from somebody, I don't know who it was, but they were saying that a host on Patriots Radio uh, said, 98.5 The Sports Hub, said that the Patriots would be, quote, sniffing around on Debo Samuel this off season. Um, it intrigued me because obviously we just went through an off season of Debo Samuel trade talk. Now the big difference is the contract situation. And I know that news sent you immediately scrambling to the internet to find out just what the financial implications would be if the Niners were to trade Debo Samuel. Well, uh, first off, uh, sniffing is a good way to put it because like a stripper, you're going to sniff, but you can't touch because this makes no sense. This trade, you didn't like that one, huh? You're, you you go around smelling strippers? <laughs> no, I've actually uh, been in a strip club once other than when I worked in one. You, hold on, hold <laughs> on, stop the show, stop the podcast. We have been doing shows together for years. 
years. I'm just finding out now in 2023 that you used to work in a strip club. Uh, I didn't work for the strip club, but I worked in a strip club. You, you don't recognize my Chippendale body? What? No. <laughs> Hold on. Explain. Uh, no, uh, I dealt blackjack. I dealt blackjack in Williston, North Dakota. And in Williston, North Dakota, or actually the whole state of North Dakota, blackjack is legal as long as, one, it's in a bar. Two, it uh, it has to be for a charity. So, like, it was the college foundation for the local college is who I technically worked for. But they have a blackjack table. We had uh, six locations, one of which was the strip club. And that was one of the places that, because when I was dealing blackjack, I was uh, single. And a lot of the married people, their spouses did not like them dealing blackjack. But uh, yeah, I uh, dealt blackjack. And uh, you might think, well, in Williston, North Dakota, there wouldn't be much to look at. But uh, this was an oil field boomtown where literally the strippers coming in were coming from Vegas. And they were making three to four times more in their tour of Williston because they they would bring them in and work. You know, you would get there, be there for a week and then you weren't didn't get to come back for a month, you know, uh, literally that was the best money to be made was Williston, North Dakota at the time. And, uh, it gets better. The blackjack table is set up so that the people playing blackjack are not allowed to be distracted because they need to pay attention. So you keep, keep, keep the table moving, you know? So if they're facing the stage, where's their eyes going to be? Not kind of constantly be going, Oh, what do I have? (laughs) <laughs> so uh it is uh set up to where what i see is the stage and they have their backs to the stage if they want to play so i got very good at dealing like this 19 20 <laughs> just <laughs> yeah just using the peripheral vision to see the table and then using the rest of the see yeah, i was single in my 20s this is how Levin operates. He told me that he used to deal blackjack. Never mentioned that it was in the strip club. Just convinced that that part slip your mind. Did you forget that part? That's the most interesting part of the story. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It wasn't a big deal to me. It's not not my cup of tea. For what I just mentioned, uh, you can sniff. You can't touch. I don't care to tease myself. No one is sniffing strippers. If you know a lot of degenerates. Uh, at strip clubs, regulars at strip clubs, what do you think they do when the stripper comes in? I don't know. Like I have only been in a strip club one time in my entire life, and I will never go back. Yeah, I don't like to spend money to get teased, so that's why I don't care for it personally. But uh, it wasn't bad deal to work at, put it that way. So. Great start to the show. How does this relate back to that Debo Samuel? I'm completely lost my train of thought now. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying is uh, this is all BS Boston radio crap. And if I had to guess, the guy doesn't even know what the freak Debo Samuel's contract looks like. He just right. said something to get attention because he knew it would make waves and people would want to listen to hear what he had to say. Because the reality is, if Debo Samuel is traded prior to June 1st, the 49ers cap hit for him goes up by 19.8 million this year. They're not trading him. <laughs> it was it was James Stewart, by the way, who said it, who's the executive producer of Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Just want to make sure I'm accurate with all that. Um, See, that whole side rant gave you time to figure out and get your right. ducks in a row. 
I have no doubt that the Patriots would be interested in Debo Samuel from just a pure football perspective. Um, but they, if they wanted him, they should have made a move last year. I mean, he was available last year. You don't make the move after he signs the big deal. Um, if the cap, just put the financials aside for a second, coming off the year that Debo just came off. I think the 49ers would be willing to move him for the right offer. If the cap wasn't, I, I don't know if the cap wasn't a situation that it is maybe, but I still have a hard time believing Kyle Shanahan wants to give up his Swiss army knife. I mean, Debo didn't have the raw numbers. You know, he didn't have a ton of receiving yards. I think he barely crossed 600. Uh, I'm not even sure if he got a thousand combined yards, but the effect he has is huge. We've seen it. If Debo's in the backfield, that defense is making all kinds of adjustments. So it has a huge effect, and that's part of the reason why Ayuk was able to have the year that he had. Yeah, so Debo, uh, just for anyone that doesn't remember, 864 total yards from scrimmage in 13 games. He had 632 receiving yards, just two receiving touchdowns. Also had 232 yards on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. So five total touchdowns on the year for Debo. It was not the same, you know, world changing half of what he did last year. Yeah, that we saw in 2021. But I do agree with you. He does have that effect on the field. And Kyle uses that effect to its maximum benefit. Play in and play out with Debo and McCaffrey and all that stuff. Um, I do think the Niners would be willing to move him. And I wouldn't be shocked if they maybe explored that a little later in the contract, but it ain't happening this offseason. No. And, you know, before we went on, you mentioned, yeah, they, they could trade him and actually save on the cap hit after June 1st, but they would literally be giving Debo $20 million and then saying, don't play for us. They're not going to do that. Now, it wouldn't affect the cap in that manner. The $20 million wouldn't hit the cap, but it would be the 49ers as a franchise giving Debo $20 million to go away. I don't think things have gotten that bad with Debo yet. <laughs> They'd have to be really motivated to move him. I mean, he gets along with Kyle Grady. said it this week at yeah. the Super Bowl. They got off to a rocky start, but now, like, that's his guy. So, like I said, I have no doubt that the Patriots would love to get Debo Samuel, but it's just not financially going to happen. There are a couple big names that could potentially get dealt this offseason and shock everybody. It's not Debo. It's not the guy that just got the big contract. You know, Kittle has some possibility. I still doubt that one, especially with the way Brock threw to him and Brock seemingly being Kyle's preferred option. But like Eric Armstead, could they move on from him to try to find more money? They could. I doubt it just because the D-line depth is non-existent right now. And that's yeah. probably the biggest need in the offseason. But there are eh, a couple expensive guys that if they wanted to, they could move on from. It's just not Debo. Like that's a really odd one to pick. Yeah, Eric Armstead doesn't have any guaranteed money left in his deal. Wouldn't it have made more sense for that radio host to say George Kittle, considering the Patriots' history with having dominant tight ends? I mean, I'm sure Belichick would love to get of these guys, but I don't know. But I wanted to ask you this question off of that story. Is there anybody on the 49ers that you would be totally unwilling to trade no matter what the offer was? Uh, n- Well, 
What do you mean by no matter? Are you saying they would get three first-round picks for Christian McCaffrey as a possibility? Okay, yeah, then I would trade Christian McCaffrey for three first-round picks. If you told me you're offering a first-round pick for Christian McCaffrey, I would say no to a first-round pick. He's too valuable. No, I'm saying no matter what the offer was, if there's anybody you're saying, Completely no, untouchable, I'm not no. trading this person. No, because the only people that are capable of hitting that level of value is a quarterback. And it has to be a Mahomes, uh, even a Herbert. Like, no, I don't care what you offer. The chances of me finding another quarterback like this one with five first-round picks is not going to happen, which teams can only trade three three first-round picks. Um, so they couldn't even get five. But Well, three even, years even... of first-round picks. What's that? Isn't it like three years of first round? You can, if you have multiple, yeah, it's three years into the future. It, it is the uh, I think the Herschel Walker Walker uh, rule. They put it in because they didn't want teams to be able to trade too much of their future for one person and just pretty much tip the balance of the entire league with a single trade. Um, but even so, I think the, the guy that's probably most valuable is Nick Bosa. If you're telling me somebody's offering three first round picks and two second round picks. I would say no to that. The only way I would even start to consider it is if one of those first round picks is this year and it's a top five pick. But I don't see the dominant pass rusher and he's too important. Like that defense without Nick Bosa. Well, let me put it this way. That pass rush without Nick Bosa is one of the worst pass rushes in the league. That's yeah. the whole problem that nobody else showed up. I totally agree. Bosa is the only guy that, that I would pause everybody else. Even the offer doesn't have to be like four first round picks or whatever. Like Kittle, you could have Kittle this offseason if you make me a decent offer. Same thing with McCaffrey. Same thing with Ayuk. With and this Dino, is anybody. not considering cap ramifications. Right. Yes. Yes. Because some saying... of these people you can't trade because right. what it does to your cap is just not like Debo. You're not going to trade Debo and go from a, uh, $8 million cap hit to a $29 million cap hit or whatever it is, you know, it, it's almost 20 million more. You, you're not going to do that, but that yeah. doesn't mean that you would, you wouldn't, Oh, you want to trade for him? Let, let me hear the offer. Right. I'm just saying from a, from a philosophical kind of standpoint, there Bosa is the only one that would give me pause, but I would move Bosa in a deal for like Lamar Jackson. I would, I absolutely would. Um, but I just on the Lamar contract. (laughs) I think it's interesting that, you know, we talk about like, oh, the Niners have this loaded roster and it is loaded. Um, but yet when I asked myself that question off of this Debo news, I was like, kind of surprised. I was like, well, actually, no, I'd pretty much be willing to move him. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it's a loaded question because there's about maybe seven or eight people in the entire league. That my answer would be, I don't care what you offer, I'm not trading him. Yeah. Oh, actually, I thought of one. Who? Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Coaches are trading. You're right. You could offer whatever you want for Kyle Shanahan. I'm not trading him. Well, if you give me Andy Reid, maybe I would. I should say. If another coach is part of the agreement and it's a coach I think is really good. Yeah. Okay. But then, like, we're we're getting into this is dumb. (laughs) If we're talking (laughs) draft pick compensation, comp compensation and non-quarterback compensation i'm not trading kyle shannon if you offer me obviously 
I'll use him again. If you offer me Justin Herbert for Kyle Shanahan, yep, I'm doing it. Hmm, interesting. Um, but that elite quarterback, I'm doing it. That kind of leads me into this question, and it was brought up by Jason and Steph. Um, and I thought it was interesting. And the question is, if you if the Niners could only spend money at one spot in free agency, where would you want them to spend it? And 71% of the people that answered the poll said offensive line over defensive line. Those were the only two options. I think people have a inflated sense of what this pass rush is. Beyond Nick Bosa, you said it. It's not that good. Eric Armstead is really good. He affects the pass rush really well. That's part of the reason why an Ominahu was able to do a lot of what he did, things like that. Eric Armstead is able to take on two people. He's really good at kind of breaking down and diving in there. Um, and we, we've seen that. with all, You can you can look it up. Brian Baldinger pointed it out a couple times. Armstead's really good at that, but he's not a guy that gets the sack. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had one year where he's been able to do that. And that was the year where there was Boza and D Ford to worry about. And that's part of why Armstead was able to get those sacks. What they need is another pass rusher. And that's where they should spend the money. If they could only spend the money one place, it is to get a dominant pass rusher. I'm not saying defensive line. I'm saying another dominant edge. That's where they need to spend the money. It's not, oh, they could get these two guys and really improve the defensive line. No, one guy, dominant pass rusher, period. The problem is who? Those guys, first of all, generally don't hit free agency. You usually got to spend high draft picks on them. I mean, let me read you some of the guys that are out there in free agency. Jadevian Clowney. Yuck. Marcus Davenport. Uh, I know you like Justin Houston. You thought I like him because he's cheaper. And I think in a playing him only in an obvious pass rushing situation, he would be really, really good at that. Right. Uh, unique and Gonkway. That would one. That'd be one I'd consider. I think he's the best individual every down type guy. Right. I mean, Shaq Lawson, Robert Quinn, Carlos Dunlap. These are, you know, and they're, they're, there's not, I'm not, ripping on these players but you're talking about like you want another dominant guy he ain't there in free agency no well hopefully he's there in drake jackson he can get his butt in shape right i i agree with you that has to be the that's the best option for the 49ers because not only is it a guy that's already on your roster he's cheap right you don't have to pay the premium to get him you mentioned armstead how many sacks do you think eric armstead had this year in the regular season two and a half Zero. Really? Zero sacks in the regular season. Now, he did have two in the playoffs, but hmm. no sa- And I agree with you. He does affect the game and, and eat up blockers and all that stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he is making a lot of freaking money. You'd like to get one. Right. If you're, if you're telling, there's a difference between a player being really good and effective and being worth, I think his cap hits like $28 million or something like that next year. It's insane. Like, is Armstead worth 21 that? 21.9. No. Is it only 21.9? Or 23. No, I'm sorry. It's 24. My apologies. 24. Okay. Uh, to me, uh, if you're crossing over $20 million, you better be uh, uh, an edge rusher or a sack guy, I guess I should say, because there are some interior guys in today's league that are sack guys. The Niners went from number five to number 16 in sack rate from 2021 to 2022. In 2021, they were eighth in pressure rate. Last year, they were 13th in pressure rate. 
Like they were not as good of a pass rush outside of Nick Bosa, even with Nick Bosa, but you know, specifically Bosa was still really good this year. Well, te- teams have figured, figured it out. And that's why Bosa didn't do, I shouldn't say he didn't do it. That's why Bosa didn't get the sacks in the playoffs. It's because teams said, we're going to take you away and make somebody else beat us in a one and one, one on one. And nobody else was really capable of doing that consistently enough. Yeah. And luckily I think that, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch generally believe in restocking the defensive line. So I think that they are going to, they would do that anyway. And I'm sure they recognize this of the 14 D linemen who played a snap for the Niners this year, 10 are not under contract next year. The four that are, are Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, and Drake Jackson. Everybody else is not under contract for next year. So this defensive line and this pass rush is going to look different next year. By the way, if I could trade Kinlaw, I would. Who wants him? That's the problem. That's why I said if. They would save, uh, I think, $2.7 million by trading him. Yeah. At this point, I, I would rather save that money than have the potential of whatever he is when he's healthy. And the frustrating thing, too, is I thought it, even if he wasn't going to be you know, the pass rusher that DeForest Buckner was, I thought he would at least hold up against the run. But he missed 11 games this year, and his run grade – from PFF was 28.8. That's the lowest of any 49ers defender. So my whole thing with Kinlaw was like, even if he just takes up space, there's value there. Well, he couldn't even do that. And especially in that Eagles game, there were multiple clips of him getting shoved around. I know some of those weren't necessarily his fault, but some of them were. I think I have a pretty good nickname for him. Oh, careful. We saw what happened with Grant. I I don't sit on the side of it. If you want to come show up my house, that's fine. The police can show up too. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think you, we can call him the pirate because he's out there on one leg. I think that yeah. that knee is shot. Yep. And that's why he can get shoved around because he can't dig in with that leg. That's his problem. And a defensive lineman who can't dig in and hold their ground is worthless. And he's got no leverage. I I wish he would pan out. You know, I, I was a real big fan of the draft pick. But it is what it is, and his knee is shot. He, He's one of those guys that his career is ruined because his knee is just done. I mean, he's D Ford. He's a bigger version, but he's D Ford. His knee is so shot that there's no coming back, and he's just not going to be worth the roster spot and the cap hit. So when we talk about the guys out there in free agency, you know, the Niners don't have a ton of cap room. But I did see, I think it was Kyle Posey wrote something for Niners Nation. They can potentially gain a lot of cap room if they do some restructures. And one of those is Trent Williams, who doesn't have any guaranteed money in his deal after the 2023 season. And the Niners could free up about $14 million in cap room in 2023 by just doing a regular kind of simple restructure for Trent Williams. There's Trent. Christian McCaffrey doesn't have any guaranteed money in his deal. Christian uh, Eric Armstead, like I said, doesn't have any. And I think Fred Warner's the other one that doesn't have any guaranteed money left in his contract. Those are all candidates to be restructured. Do you think we see a little of that with the 49ers who generally don't do that kind of restructuring? Uh, we have to. <laughs> uh, as I said last week, the Niners have like 16 and a half million in cap space and they have... 16 roster spots that must be filled to count against the cap, the cap and the minimum cap hit uh, tends to average about a million because it's 
I think like 750,000 for a rookie. And by year five, it's capped out at 1.1 million. So you can say those 16 roster spots are going to take up the cap that they have right now, which means to do anything in free agency, they have to do some kind of restructure or make some kind of big trade that creates a lot of cap room. The problem is I went through it. I went down the highest paid guys on the roster who could get traded and create a lot of cap space. There's not one. There's Nobody. literally not one. There's not a single player with a big cap hit that the team could trade and save even $5 million by trading them. Wow. It's just not one. Like it's just the way it is. And part of it is, is because they set up these contracts to kind of keep things cheap in the, in the near term. And we're now at the years where those big cap hits are hitting Kittle's balloons. Armstead's is way up there. Uh, Warner's balloons this next year. You know, they went from, I think, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Kittle was something like 10 million cap it. And he goes up into the twenties next year. They're hitting their years where they kind of mature, where they were kicking the can down the road. And now they're at the point where the can can't be kicked anymore. Kittle's is weird. So it goes up to, let's see. He has void years sitting in there to fake yeah. the contract, which is part of, I think, the struggle with the restructuring him, which I think if you look, there was one other one of the big ones. I don't know if it was Armstead or Trent Williams. Somebody else also had some of those void years in there. Maybe it's Fred Warner. One of the other big cap hits over 20 million had some void years already in there, which means some of the shenanigans that you could pull don't exist because they've already done it. Yeah, the void years, I think it's Armstead. That's like the new thing now. Every, like, every year somebody that comes up with a it's new cool. trick and yeah it's weird um but generally what the what what restructuring a contract does is you kick the can down the road like you said you free up cap space immediately but you do have to pay it down the line you can't continually kick the can down the road forever you are robbing peter to pay paul and the problem is is your quarterback has to get paid at some point Right. In theory, unless you never get one, which the 49ers are going on a decade without one. But well, my question is quarterback it's just this next year and the year after they don't they don't have to pay a lot if it's Lance, Brock or both because they're going right. to be cheap. So this is not something the 49ers usually do. But do you think that losing two out of the last three NFC championship games makes them shift their priorities a little bit shift their team building philosophy and kind of go more towards the rams like hey we gotta get one like we can't keep taking swings at this pinata without hitting it here we gotta maybe we're not gonna set ourselves up for a dynasty but we gotta win one is it at all possible that they show maybe a little more urgency i don't think so because i think this year they 100 percent believe that if it wasn't for maybe the worst luck any teams ever had in the playoffs, they would have won the Super Bowl. And on top of that, I, I don't think they want to follow the Rams model because you have somebody like Kyle Shanahan, who we got confirmation on past final say. Um, I don't think he cares to do that because Kyle Shanahan's not McVeigh. He doesn't have one foot out the door in an announcing booth. True. I don't think Kyle Shanahan cares to ever announce he is a lifer oh, which means no. he doesn't care to do a rebuild he wants to win each and every year and if andy reed can do it in kansas city and philly and have all these years of winning a bunch of games there's no reason why they can't continually win and never have to go quite all in but 
at some point you can't just be content to say, well, if this didn't happen, we would have won or we had the best team, even though we didn't win the Super Bowl. Like that's not enough. You know, I feel like sometimes there's a little too much of that with the 49ers. Like they're, they're they're like you like they think that's some sort of prize to say, well, we had the better team. We had the best team. It doesn't matter. It's not that. I, I think it's more of kind of the gamblers. And I don't want to put it that way because they're not gambling. Um, but I, I think they have the mentality of one of these times things will come up right for us and we won't have quarterbacks crap going on. You know what I mean? Like we're so close and one of these years will be our year to get over the hump. Like that we're good enough. It's just hasn't been our time. And this next roll of the dice is going to be it. I guess. I don't know. I always say hope is not a strategy. And I, I, I don't know. I would just, it was a thought that popped into my head. Um, and I wanted to get your take on it. Anyway, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Because this is the last time I'm going to talk to you before the most important day of the 49ers 2023 season, and that is the Brock Purdy surgery. It's happening on February 22nd. That is next Wednesday. And there's potentially three surgical options. There's the six-month option. There's the hybrid option, which is like 9 to 12 months. And then there's the full Tommy John replacement surgery, which is 10 to 12 months. I put it to you, Mr. Black, if you had to gamble, let's say, on what surgery Brock is going to end up having, what is your prediction? Sound the alarms, because here comes the wet blanket. How the F do I know? If a surgeon doesn't know at this point, why do I care to make, like, it's a complete and utter guess. Now, if I have to guess, I would say the sixth month, because so far what they've said is that's what all the doctors think is the most likely course. So why would I go against that? But it's literally a scenario where nobody knows. There's no educated guess. There's no, oh, well, this matches up well against this. You know, it's not like two teams playing. Literally, the surgeon performing the surgery won't know until February 22nd when he's sitting there with a scalpel in his hand and looking at it. Right. But there are three options. And two of those three involve Brock being out for at least nine months. Statistically, that's the likeliest outcome is him being out longer than six months. But I had this thought just before we hit record. All of a sudden, Brock dropped this news of like this hybrid surgical option mm-hmm. on KMBR. None of nobody was talking about that. It was either six Nobody's months. Nobody's heard of it. Right. Or full Tommy John. And then Brock brings it up. The fact that Brock knows about it means obviously it was discussed with his doctors, Mm -hmm. which means it's possible. And this was my thinking. He said he's going to leave it up to the doctor because obviously he he will be not awake when this. No, wake me up. Let me decide. (laughs) Right. So I wonder, like, just look at it from the doctor's perspective, right? You've got Brock Purdy's arm sliced open. You know that, like, the balance of his career could hinge on the outcome of this surgery. If you're the surgeon, if there's any doubt in your confidence in being able to repair that original ligament, don't you have to, for the best interests of Brock and his career, don't you almost have to go on the side of either the hybrid or the full replacement? Because if you repair the UCL and it goes again, now you're like, now you're in deep crap, for lack of a better term. Now you're on the couch permanently 
uh, pretty much what happened there. Uh, that would be my opinion that if I'm 100% confident the repair it will work, then I go that route. If I'm 90% confident the repair works, I'm right. going the 100% route of tell me, John. That's the question, right? Like, how far? What if you're 98% confident in the repair? Do you still go? You know, like, if, I, I don't what's know that how number? they decide that. Me yeah. either. I have no idea, but it's just the fact that he brought up that hybrid surgery. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It Somebody just made has mentioned me, it. Yeah. And like, those are not good odds. I don't like the right. fact that two out of the three options will keep Brock out for at least nine months. And I, I think depending on which it is, I mean, it's really in terms of this Niner season, it's the six month and you can count on Brock being there in the second half of the season at minimum. Right. Or he's out for season and you need to act like he's not even on the roster for this yeah. upcoming season. That changes this offseason drastically, in my opinion. Because if it's the six months, you're not going to spend any money at quarterback. You might go sign some cheap veteran quarterback like, uh, you know, I mentioned him last week. Kyle Allen is one that I would consider. You know, he has seven, eight starts in his resume. He's been kind of around. He's not somebody that's great, but he's somebody that would probably probably be willing to except a third string gig where he's going to be second string at the beginning, you know, and be coached by one of the best offensive coaches. You're not going to be able to get the top backups if Brock is expected to be back in six months. If it's the other one where Brock is pretty much out all year, you have to go get one of those guys. You have to go get an Andy Dalton and pony up the money, whatever it costs. You have to, because if you go into this season, Counting on Trey Lance to be healthy, you've lost because you can't. So far, he's played four games and gotten hurt twice, and he got <laughs> hurt a third time in the preseason with yeah. his finger. So you can't count on him. You want to give him the opportunity, but you can't go into the season where it's Trey Lance or some scrub where our season's over. Let me read you the names of the quarterbacks that are out there, and you just give me a quick first blush, yay or nay, as to whether or not you'd be interested Should in that. Should be easy. I've looked at the list. <laughs> I'm not going to include Lamar. I'm not going to yeah. include Daniel Jones, because I think they're going to end up starter somewhere. Yeah. And I think Geno Smith Gino will be back same, with yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, yes, but he'll be expensive. If it's the he's out for season, he's probably top of my list of who I would want. If they could get him, I would absolutely want him. I think he played really well last year. Um, I don't know that that would be that he'd be willing to do it. If but Brock is out for season, I think it opens the door for him to be a possibility because he's, he said he thinks he deserves a starting gig. Well, he's probably not going to find one, but what better opportunity do you have than a Super Bowl contender, a top offensive coach, and a quarterback who's gotten injured twice in four games? Or may just flat out not be good enough. He may right. get benched due to poor play, too. He doesn't have to necessarily get hurt. We don't know. Um, okay. Jimmy G, no, that's not happening. Sam Darnold. Uh, yes, but he's another one of those that if Brock is six months, he's not going to sign. He's not going to agree to come in here and be third string. He gets banged up a lot, too. Baker Mayfield. Uh, yes, but same scenario. There's a lot of guys here. That Baker would be, I hate Baker personally. His <laughs> attitude drives me freaking up a wall. I, I can't stand him. Uh, just his attitude. Um, but I would absolutely like to have him backing up Trey Lance if Brock Purdy is going to be out for the season because I think some Baker 
could come in and find the magic again and at least keeps the door open to possibly winning a Super Bowl in the scenario of 2019 where you're winning because everything else went right other than the quarterback. I've seen Baker Mayfield with decent coaching set the rookie record for touchdown passes without even playing for a full season. So I think in the right situation, he can he can be effective. Plus, that I, and, you know, the practices of Bosa going after him every single day. <laughs> if he, yeah, Bosa ever lets him throw. I like <laughs> Baker Mayfield's personality and I would be I, I would be in on that if possible. Uh, Mike White from the Jets. Uh, he's one that I could see uh, very likely being that third quarterback. Because guess what? Kyle knows that he knows the system because right. Mike LaFleur was the offensive coordinator and yeah. the Jets liked him so much. They literally started him over uh, Zach Wilson, like literally Zach Wilson's healthy and we're starting them. So is he somebody that, oh, he could be the future? Absolutely not. But yeah. is he somebody that you might be able to convince to come in as, hey, you're the backup until Brock is healthy and then you'll have a chance, you know, you'll still be on the roster and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I could I could see he would be in terms of that scenario of Brock's going to be back in six months. He might be top of my list of guys that I think actually have a chance of coming. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, again, yes, but he's not going to sign unless he knows no. he's the backup. I want no part of Teddy two gloves. Get out of here with that guy. Andy Dalton. Yep. Ugh, no, no, thank you. Although at least he does have playoff experience. Gardner Minshew. I'm a big fan of Gardner. I think he should have gotten a chance to be a real starter. I'm a fan of Gardner, too. Uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, I will say no on that one. I don't think he fits the scheme at all, and I don't want to see him in it. His play style, Kyle, would not. Like, he just yeah, goes off no script one. all the time. Uh, and then the last one I'm going to name. There are more, but I'll just uh, name last one. How about Jared Stidham, who showed out against Kyle Shanahan this year? Uh, he's an indifferent. <laughs> if he's signed, okay. Oh, I should say, if Brock is out for the season and Stidham is the answer as the number two, I'm not happy with that. Not good enough. Mm -hmm. But if he's signed and Brock has the potential of being back in the season, I'm okay with it. Regardless of what surgery Brock has and what route the Niners you know, choose to go. We know who's going to be making those calls. It's going to be Kyle Shanahan. It's going to be John Lynch. Last question I want to get to with you on the show today. How much confidence do you have in Shanahan and Lynch in terms of as a front office this year compared to how you felt about them going into last offseason? Because they had a pretty good offseason when you look at how all those moves turned out. Uh, I would say I'm about the same on Lynch a little more confident on Shanahan. Uh, I thought, hey, the roster got turned around, so you got to give credit to the the GM, Lynch. Now we know that Shanahan truly does call the shots. Lynch laid that out. So to me, you got to have more confidence in Shanahan with the fact that pretty much every move they made this last offseason worked out. Not just worked out. I mean, worked out in a pretty major way. Right. Their big move was special teams. George Odin, uh, George Odom, Oren Burks and Ray Ray McLeod. Right. Those were the, they really wanted to beef up special teams. Well, Ray Ray had the fifth best punt return yardage in the NFL. Oren Burks was ninth in special teams tackles. And George Odom led the NFL in special teams tackles. So literally like that was their job and they crushed it. We saw obviously Mooney Ward. Fantastic. He's the best cornerback on the roster. 
I feel much more confident about them as a front office group going. You didn't into even the... get into the draft picks. Brock right. Purdy, uh, uh, Burford, like, and I don't even like ding them for Drake Jackson. I know he, you know, he hit the rookie wall he, at the he end wasn't of the year. Bad as a rookie. He started out with like three sacks in four games, something like right. that, and then he hit the rookie wall. There's he could make a big jump next year. Right. I, I feel much more confident this year in Shanahan and Lynch than I did last year. I have to say, and I know I was killing them last year in the offseason for not doing more. And I, I'll fight anybody tooth and nail. They could have done more, but what they did was still really, really good. Yeah, and you know they made the call in Aaron Banks. You can get. You know, they basically said starting gig is yours, and that was the right call. And we Brendel. were both dead wrong on that. Yep. Brendel. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm more confident this year. Lynch, I was already really confident, thought he was great at the job. Shanahan, now I know he made a lot of those calls. So I would say I'm more confident. There are questions on the offensive line, too. Like, Brendel's a free agent. Now, he's somebody that realistically I think they could bring back. But if they said, you know what, Jake? Thanks for everything. Awesome job. Pro Bowl alternate, but we're going to promote in-house. If they wanted to go with Nick Sakel or maybe, I don't know, a Jason Poe off the practice squad, I would, I'm would. i going to go uh, – who I can't remember the, the team name now from the NBA, the Trust the Process. That's what I'm yeah, going to go with. That, Sixers? I, Sixers, that's right. Man, I don't know why I just drew a blank on that. Like, I will – you will not hear me complaining about that this offseason because I'm going to say, you know what? They nailed it on the offensive line this year. They nailed it. Like, Banks gave up two sacks the entire season. Spencer Burford started as a fourth-round rookie, and and Brendel was fantastic. I think Brendel was one of the few Niners. He started every single game, and he was all right. Like, they've earned an offseason away from Rob Guerrero criticism. <laughs> yeah, super big concern of theirs. Uh... <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the only thing I think I would criticize is if they just hand McKivitz the starting gig. Like, I'm just not too confident on him. If they say, McGlinchey, you're, you're gone. McKivitz, here's the starting gig. I, he hasn't been great. in the op- He started at least one game every year in the last three years. He's not bad, but he's clearly a backup quality. Like This isn't an Aaron Banks situation where we just didn't see him. And they tried to move him to a different position, didn't work out, and they just kept him as hidden, basically. Uh, I just, I, I'm fine if they say we're going to do McKivitz and draft somebody in the third round and let the best man win. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. I'm just saying I'm not fine if they say, McKivitz, it's your job. We're not drafting anybody. We're completely confident you can do the job. I understand your fear. Everything you said is logical there, but I'm. If they did do that, I would say, oh, this would be my official. This is you protecting against the fool me once, you know, or I got my hand burned. I'm not going to let myself burn the other one. Whereas I'm going, no, I still got one good hand. I'm going for it again. (laughs) No, my response would be, okay. Like, it's like when your daughter is young, but when your daughter gets a little older, you're going to realize she's going to do things and you're going to say, no, don't do that. It's. That this is going to have, this could go wrong. It's not going to work. And they're going to be like, oh, shut up, you old idiot. I know what I'm doing. And you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, all right, if you say so. And you just have to sit back and watch. That will be my response to if McKibbitts has just handed the right tackle job. I don't think you know me too well. I am definitely the type of, if you want to do it, you'll learn the hard way that that's not a great thing to do. As long as it's not going to kill him. I am the child that jumped off buildings 
and had a competition with a friend in grade school of who was willing to jump off the higher spot that went on for about a year until I jumped off. Uh, We were at a buddy's house and I realized he had a third story house and nowhere else had we had the opportunity to jump three stories. So I said, I'm jumping from the third story peak. And when I landed, my feet were numb for uh, about a full minute. Literally couldn't feel them. And that ended that game. But that's who I was as a child. And yet I have never broken a bone. I never got stitches until, and this still pisses me off, about three and a half years ago. Cutting an onion. The knife slipped off the onion like it was supposed to go in. And instead of going in the onion, for some reason, the onion was like stretchy enough. Because it was like the first layer, you know. And it bounced off of it instead and went straight into my finger. And it was a brand new ceramic knife. So I had to get two stitches. But those are literally the only stitches, despite playing sports my whole childhood and being the child that if anybody said you won't do this, I did it and jumped off buildings and stupid crap. So when it comes to my kid, uh, I've already fought. My kid is two years old. Uh, My wife is the polar opposite. She did not make that leap of faith (laughs) as a child on things like that. I'm definitely a let her try it. Worst thing that's going to happen is she's going to get a bump and be in pain for a few days and she'll learn, boy, I shouldn't do that. Given where we started the show, I feel I must ask, were any of the buildings that you jumped off of strip clubs? <laughs> Just, uh, I got to check now, apparently. I didn't uh, realize. No, not strip clubs, but you did make me remember another funny strip club story involving that youth. <laughs> well, please do tell. All right. So. Uh, in this, in the winter, you have indoor soccer, mm-hmm. and uh, the upperclassmen recruited me to play on their indoor soccer team when I was coming out of my freshman year. I gladly accepted. A couple of the upperclassmen apparently had some connection to, I think, one of their uncles owned the strip club in town. They convinced him to sponsor the team, yes. so we had a jersey. <laughs> That was the strip club on the front. <laughs> yes. What was so the name of the strip I was, club? When I was, uh, I don't know, something aces, four aces or something like that. I don't know. Ah, oh, boo. We're talking 20 something years ago. But yeah, for, uh, and I wore that thing until literally it fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> but that literally became a joke of like literally people from other counties knew of this jersey and it became like a prized thing that if you you couldn't bring it to the soccer field and have it in your duffel bag because other teams from around the state knew of that jersey and they would steal it it became like this thing of a soccer jersey that (laughs) that is of a strip club that's good advertising right there right i mean damn you got generation yeah (laughs) four aces is not a good strip club name you know what i don't remember that it was something aces There are some awesome strip club names. I want people, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, leave a review and put the strip club name in the review. I know there are some good ones out there. The Boom Boom Room, whatever it is. I don't know. Greasy Pole. That's probably in Philly. (laughs) Fox Cafe was the one near where I grew up. There was a Fox Cafe and Mr. Happy's was the other one. Um I know there are some good names. Leave them in the reviews, please. That will be so much fun to go over in a week. We might need that. That's a peak off-season thing, but I'm here for it. So please leave it in your review, uh, hopefully with a five-star rating as well. And, uh, yeah, even if they're terrible, I'll just blame you because you took us here, man. This is all your fault. 
<laughs> Somebody's going to be looking up our podcast and going, what is the <laughs> podcast about? And see all I these know. reviews and be like, what the heck is this? Hey, you know what? You got to listen to find they, out. They'll, that would they'll be... think we mistitled the podcast and it was supposed <laughs> to be the 69ers. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network for uh, for now as well as we get that uh, finally worked out. But, uh, yeah, this will be the last time we talk. Next we meet, Levin. We'll know what's up with Brock Purdy, maybe what direction the 49ers are going to know. The Polaroid, for those that are old enough to understand what I'm saying, the Polaroid will begin to become clear and come into focus. I certainly hope we know because I wouldn't put it past this team to sit on the news for a couple of days, which no. by the way, if they do that, I'm assuming the worst Schefter. Yeah, for that's true. If it's good news, it'll come out immediately, but somebody will leak it because that's juicy, right? Cause like everybody knows how big of a story that right. is. We will find out from someone. Um, but I Trey do Lance's with- agent will leak it. <laughs> right i agree with you if it's the six month one we'll we'll hear about it from the niners right. if it's not we'll hear about it from somebody else but we'll be here for good bad or ugly we'll be here with you all off season long so please 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 follow like subscribe to the youtube channel follow the podcast just follow us everywhere just put us in your life no matter what media you are consuming we will be here for you we got some things in the Stay works tuned like- for rob guerrera's Strip stories next episode. Hey, that's you. I don't have any, all right? <laughs> Apparently you worked in one. Um, but no, we've got some things in the works here at the Gold Standard Podcast Network. We're hopefully going to be able to offer you a lot more as we ramp up towards the regular season. So stick with us. Big things are coming. We appreciate the support. And Levin, I appreciate you and all your help with everything that is coming. And I will talk to you next week.